Well, Lord, we thank you for this time of food and fellowship and study of your word. Open our hearts and minds to your message for us today. In Christ's name, amen. Well, today I'll read from the 14th chapter of Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Most of Paul's letters went to churches that he had started, churches where he knew people and he knew both their strengths and their weaknesses, but not Rome. The Roman church is one he hoped to visit. So this letter to them is, it's sort of his way of introducing himself, letting them know how he sees things, his beliefs, and what he saw as important. In this passage, he also talks about what he sees as unimportant. Listen now for God's message for us today, and I'll read from the Common English Bible from Romans 14. Welcome the person who is weak in faith, but not in order to argue about differences of opinion. One person believes in eating everything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Those who eat must not look down on the ones who don't, and the ones who don't eat must not judge the ones who do, because God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servants? They stand or fall before their own Lord, and they will stand, because the Lord has the power to make them stand. One person considers some days to be more sacred than others, while another person considers all days to be the same. Each person must have their own convictions. Someone who thinks that a day is sacred thinks that way for the Lord. Those who eat, eat for the Lord because they thank God and those who don't eat, don't eat for the Lord. And they thank the Lord too. We don't live for ourselves and we don't die for ourselves. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we belong to God. This is why Christ died and lived, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother or sister, or why do you look down on your brother or sister? We all stand in front of the judgment seat of God, because it is written, and I'll tell you it's written in Isaiah, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue will give praise to God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. So stop judging each other. Instead, this is what you should decide. Never, never put a stumbling block or an obstacle in the way of your brother or sister. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the 14th chapter of Romans, Paul addresses a thorny issue, an issue that all the men of the Berea church that I serve and First Presbyterian and most churches I know of it, all the men know better than to get into. The menu for church meals. <laughs> you see, there are some people in the church in Rome who are real strict vegetarians. Now part of the reason for their view may have been that a lot of the meat that was available to them, a lot of it had been killed and sacrificed to the various pagan gods worshiped in Rome. So some of the issue had to do whether Christians would observe the Jewish practices or not. 
But think about it. Now, if you, you went to your favorite grocery store and you picked up a package of ground beef or steaks or a roast and it had a little sticker on it that said, notice, this beef has been butchered and sacrificed to Baal. Would you cook it up and serve it to your loved ones? <laughs> I don't know. We might do it if it said, you know, sell by today or something, but not, <laughs> not that. So there were the vegetarians, and on the other hand, there's another faction that wasn't so picky about what they ate. The other divisive issue focused on the observance of very special feast days, things beyond the Sabbath. You know, third Tuesday on the month of the full moon or whatever. Paul characterized the rule following strictly vegetarian special day crowd as having weak faith. And he called the ones that were a little more liberal or as being strong in their faith. Well, the issue of dietary restrictions, that had come up before. Food is the issue in the first chapter of the book of Daniel. It's in the account of how Daniel came to be in service of Babylon's king, Nebuchadnezzar. One of the king's staff was to choose from the Israelites what they call good-looking, young men without defects, skilled in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, conversant uh, with learning and capable of serving the, in the king's palace. The chosen learned the Chaldean language and their literature, and for three years they were trained to serve King Nebuchadnezzar. But there was a problem. The king assigned these young men daily allotments from his own food and from the royal wine. Daniel decided he wasn't going to pollute himself with the king's rations or the royal wine, and he, he appealed to the chief official in hopes that he wouldn't have to do that. The official in charge of the training said, Oh, I'm afraid, I'm afraid my master, the king, who's mandated that you're to, what you're to eat and what you're to drink, what'll happen? If he sees your faces looking thinner than the other young men in your group, the king, will, the king will have my head because of you. Nevertheless, Daniel persisted. Why not test your servants for 10 days? You could give us a diet of vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with the appearance of the young men who eat the king's food. Then deal with your servants according to what you see. And the guard decided to go along with this plan and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his group looked better. They looked healthier than all the other young men who were eating the king's food. Now all the science students here know what Daniel set up as a little experiment, you know, complete with a testable hypothesis, independent and dependent variables, so that the decision would be based on facts and not on fear. There's a fellow, Rupert, Rupertus Meldanius, who was a 17th century Lutheran theologian. He was famous for one saying. He, he said it in Latin, but I'll use the English version. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, love. In essentials, unity, and non-essentials, liberty. 
and in all things love. Or the poet Goethe put it this way, things which matter must never be at the mercy of things which matter least. Unfortunately, that's not the way it works in the world a lot. Well, both of these sayings express a fine principle, but that's where the rub comes in. Because people disagree about what's essential. They disagree a lot. Some of you know that I, I've told you that how shocked I was when my best friend, when I was a little boy, told me that I was going to hell because my baptism had been means of sprinkling instead of dunking. You see, he was the Baptist preacher's son, and that's what he'd been taught. Immersion was essential. I was the Presbyterian preacher's son, and I knew, at least I believed, that baptism itself was more important than the amount of water that had been used. And if you read the Book of Order, the Constitution of the Presbyterian Church, you'll see this church, this denomination, recognizes all forms of baptism that are baptism by water and that are in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. What's essential was not the baptism. What was essential is what Jesus Christ did for me and for you and for all. There's a funny Greek word called adiaphora. Try working that into conversation. But it's useful. It describes, it's a, what it means is indifferent things. Stuff that doesn't matter. You know, you've seen that book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. It's the small stuff. The problem in church history, and in American history for that matter, we often fuss and split up over things that really don't matter very much at all. Well, as I said, Paul characterized that strict vegetarian special day crowd as having weak faith. And those who are a little more liberal about those things as being strong in their faith. So you see, Paul let us know which one he judged to be right. But in the middle of all this talk about the menu and food restrictions that today we don't really care that much about and we don't see as important, Paul talked about three things that are very important. The first thing he said that was important is, who are you to judge the servants of God? Judgment is not our job. It's above our pay grade. God takes care of that. You have heard and probably used that expression, you are not the boss of me. Paul's telling the, the Roman Christians and us, we are not the judge of them, whoever the them happens to be this week. As Paul wrote in the 12th chapter of Romans, we are to avoid thinking ourselves more highly than we are. In other words, don't promote yourself to the title judge. Now, I know, I know it's human nature, but the goal for you and me is to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, the problem was not who was right about the meat-eating or day observance issues. The problem was that those were issues that became battlefields 
that were splitting up the community of the church. Each side looked at the other with the two most deadly enemies of any relationship, disdain and contempt. If you're in a relationship and you're, you're, what you're feeling from that other person or they're feeling from you is disdain or contempt, you're in trouble. And that's true with the community of faith as well. The second thing Paul said is we don't live for ourselves and we don't die for ourselves. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or we die, we belong to God. That phrase is so important when the Presbyterian Church wrote that brief statement of faith to summarize our core beliefs. That's what they started with. In life or in death, we belong to God. Tom Long is a Presbyterian preacher at a Methodist seminary, so he's sort of multi-denominational wise fella. He's written that when Christians judge one another, we pretend that righteousness and strength are ours. We commit the worst idolatry of all. We take over God's job. We make ourselves into gods. And Paul essentially says, don't do that. The third thing Paul said is, so stop judging each other instead this is what you should decide. Never, never put a stumbling block or obstacle in the way of your brother or your sister. He did not just tell us that you gotta put up with these other people. You gotta tolerate people to see things different. He didn't say that. We're to welcome them. The first words in this chapter were, welcome the person who is weak in faith. Not just tolerate. Welcome. This is so important. He says it again and stronger in the 15th chapter. Welcome each other in the same way that Christ also welcomed you for the glory of God. Thanks be to God. By the power of the Holy Spirit, go forth to serve your neighbor, to love people you don't even like and to live in witness to God's mercy. Now may the blessing of God, source of life, power of life, redeemer of life, be with you now and always. And may God bless the food that's been prepared for us, the fellowship we enjoy together, and our daily walk with God. In Christ's name, amen. amen. amen.